T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What's good, my friends? This is the most interactive sports talk show anywhere. It's Offsides. Mark Ryan and Diesel, and we are the Fan Upstate. Roll it on until 7 o'clock p.m. today. Thrilled to have you guys with us. Thank you so much for making us part of your day. Each and every day. Uh, Let's see here. Let's get caught up on some of what you guys are saying. Uh, I believe that's Lake Hartwell that you're looking at. Diesel said the same thing. Appreciate it. Thank you for the geography lesson here in uh, the upstate. Uh, Let's see here. Hurricane Jeff says, what the heck was that, Mario Cristobal? Texter says, Collins and Brown have the exact same number of receptions and yards one might have more, t- more, one more touchdown than the other. So says Jeff from Greer. Yeah, but Tyler Brown's making the explosive plays. He's a true freshman. Like if you have a true freshman, like look at it this way, okay? Who are you drafting for next season? If you have a true freshman who's on par with an upperclassman, who are you drafting for next season? Tyler Brown, right? He's already on par, and he's a true freshman. Texter says the Panthers have been to two more Super Bowls than the Cowboys and Bills combined the last 28 years. Winning is hard. Nobody is more fickle than NFL fans. We've covered that. Like, we, like we've, we've asked the question, why are you not allowed to lose in the NFL, but you're allowed to lose in any other sports? You know, you're, you are. Be, Shane Beamer, Gamecock fans, we got to be patient. It's a climb. we got to be patient. Astros fans endured three straight 100-loss seasons so they could restock the cupboard. Why is the NFL the only, the only sport where, like, you're not allowed to do or be struggling the way that the Carolina Panthers are struggling? They pressed reboot. They rebooted this thing, right? It's what they did. Why do we have so many fans making excuses for teams not winning by saying, well, winning is hard? Winning is hard. Yeah, so? You used to be able to do it. You used to be able to accomplish it. It was Jimmy Dugan, the manager, played by Tom Hanks in A League of Their Own. Yep. Where he said, the hard is what makes it great. That's what makes winning great. Winning is great because it's hard. Don't you want to be great? Like, Why are people excusing mediocrity today? I mean, calling what Panthers are mediocrity would be really generous. But why are we excusing crappy play by saying, well, we used to be good and winning is really hard. Don't excuse that. But also, Diesel, like sometimes you just can't win. 
Like, you know, Diesel, if you were to take over Vanderbilt t- this year, you wouldn't win next year. Are fans supposed to bitch and moan and throw throw sharp, pointy objects at you? You got to have yeah. time to build something. Well, no, you can't win. You can't win next year in the in the SEC, Diesel. You know? Yeah, but this was also a team with the, the, the Carolina Panthers are also a team that the pundits far-reaching chose 10 wins for this year. They were looking at 10 wins this year. So on paper, you had everything you needed to win, and you clearly don't. Diesel, can you find me what the Carolina Panthers over-under was when the year began? I want to say it was either 6.5 or 7.5 wins out of 17 games. Uh, before the year began, NFL over-under totals. Now it's obvious the under, the under is the play, right? Uh, you know, like if I said to you right now with, with the Carolina Panthers, over-under, Diesel, 2.5 wins. This Panthers team is so bad, they're going to be playing in London in a couple of years. <laughs> permanently. Yeah. You mean permanently. Well, no, I just <laughs> meant that, the, that whoever is the crap game of the week gets sent to London. Oh, yeah, yeah. Almost always a crap game gets sent to London. They don't send good games to London. If I said to you guys right now, Carolina's 0-5, 12 games left, I'll, I'll reset the over-under win total at 2.5. Are you over or under 2.5 wins for Carolina the rest of the year? 6.5 was the preseason over-under. Yes, yeah, so they're either going to be 6-11 and or 7-10, and right? 6-11 and is the under, 7-10 and is the over. They're nowhere close to that. Nowhere close to that. All right, guys. Your biggest takeaways from the weekend are what? What is your biggest takeaway? If you're going to flex your muscle about something, man, that happened over the weekend, what is that going to be? Andy Dalton should be playing. Again. Again. No reps for Bryce Young. Hell no. Why not? It doesn't do the Panthers any good to lose. Well, yeah, but, but you get him better. He needs but he's reps. not getting better. <laughs> yes, no, That's the not. thing. Yeah, Everybody's needs- like, oh, he needs reps. He needs time. He needs, he, needs, uh, he needs experience to get better, but he's not getting any better. And losing gets you nothing because you don't have a first-round draft pick. So tanking is, is bogus with this team. And the more you lose, the more you lose, the more you lose, the more you lose, you're losing fans. You're losing money. You're losing season ticket uh, holders. You're losing merch sales. You're losing beer sales. You're losing hot dog sales. You're losing parking sales. You're losing all of these things by losing games. Andy Dalton is better than Bryce Young. Put Andy Dalton in the damn game. Why is it this hard? Well, because how long do you want Andy Dalton to be your starter? You know? I mean, if he's winning games, I want him to start it for the rest of the year. Yeah, well, then what? You know, what? what did, why did you draft Bryce Young number one? You got to play him at some point. Well, you made right? a mistake. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's an unsurvivable, that's a mortal mistake, Diesel. That, well, that, that's a, well, have that's fun a, going 0-17 then. That's Whatever. A, that's a fatal flaw. What can flaw. I say? That's a fatal flaw. I, right I, after the game, ESPN was sending out push notification articles asking that very question. People at ESPN are, in theory, smarter than us. They're asking these questions. Should Andy Dalton be the starter of this team? Uh, what did the weekend teach us, ladies and gentlemen? What is your biggest takeaway from the weekend that was? Here we go. Number one for me. And I'm kind of growing tired of this, but Georgia is toying with us all. You know, they're they're just toying with us. You know, they're way better than South Carolina. They're way better than Auburn. You know, uh, and the proof of that you saw this week, 51-13 to over Kentucky. I drank the Kool-Aid that they weren't as good this year. I put money down on Kentucky. 
I am less wealthy today. Well, let's be honest, I was never wealthy. But uh, I'm less wealthy today than I was on Saturday because I thought, based on what I saw, let's do the math here. You beat South Carolina by 10. You beat Auburn by 7. All right. Kentucky's getting 14 and a half points. That offensive line just ran all over the Florida Gators. What gives? What gives? Well, what, what gave was everything that is Kentucky football. Uh, Georgia is toying with us all. 34 to 7 at halftime. I mean, that was supposed to be a primetime worthy game. And w- instead, what, what that told me was, and guys, do you remember Josh Payton nailed this? Eric Mathis says he doesn't think 0-17 is out of the question for the Panthers. Um, Josh Payton nailed this. He said, no, nah, Mark, I think Georgia's going to be told all week long that, look, they're going to run the ball down your throat, run the ball down your throat. Georgia's good enough to take away Kentucky's run. That's what Josh Pate said. Josh Pate was right. Mark Ryan was wrong. Uh, Georgia's just toying with us all. They're fine. You know, they're going to be fine. They are fine. <laughs> they're they're going to roll. You know, they just might be bored again. You know, like you, you, look, at, uh, you look at Georgia's schedule here coming up. Um, at Vanderbilt, that's going to be another sleepy game. Oh, it's a noon game, too. So, like, don't be surprised if that's like a 17-10 halftime score. They'll be up for Florida, and that's going to be awful for me, okay? Versus Missouri, uh, they'll be up for Missouri because Missouri almost beat them a year ago. See what I'm saying? Like, so you can predict when you're going to get a sleepy performance from Georgia. They're toying with us all. They're, they're, they're great. They're still Georgia. Number two, Diesel. My God. Um, Notre Dame may, in fact, be a good football team. But that schedule is right out of the NFL, man. Um, they lose 33-20 to to Louisville. Josh Pate called that as well. That was his upset pick. I'm waiting for the day that Notre Dame and South Carolina fans get into our schedule is harder than yours smack. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that is a refrain from Gamecock fans every year. We got one of the hardest schedules in the country. Listen to this, though. Listen to this. Okay, relative to the way it sounded when the year began, Ohio State at Duke. At Louisville. Yeah. Okay. Uh, USC this week. They have Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, and USC in, in four consecutive weeks. Then they've got at Clemson. I mean, the, the schedule is brutal, and, and Josh Pate picked, Notre, picked Louisville not because he thinks Louisville's better than Notre Dame, but because it's the whole three hard games in three weeks thing. We did just see Louisville look awful against NC State. What, two weeks ago? Oh, they, they looked so bad. They looked bad. So I, I think Louisville has yeah. the potential to be a really good football team, but they're just one of those up-and-down, up-and-down type of yeah, teams. Yeah, that's Florida, DC. And they got way up for Notre Dame. That's Florida. I mean, how do you explain – how the hell do you explain what Florida did against Kentucky or didn't do, and then Georgia wiping the floor with Kentucky, but then Florida beating Tennessee? How do you explain that? You know um, – Guys, I don't, I don't like to really flip the page and talk about the next week's games until about Wednesday. Um, but I'm going to tell you, South Carolina should be a favorite in that game. Florida doesn't show up on the road. Alligators don't travel well. They're very territorial. Um, and South Carolina's got off a bye week and playing at home. South Carolina should win this game. Serious. You know, South Carolina should be a favorite in this game. I don't know if I'm ready to say should win. Should be a favorite in this game. Let's do that, okay? And let's let's talk more about that uh, as the week as the week progresses. By the way, in this hour, we've got Chris Phillips joining us at 
uh, 4.35 p.m. So we look forward to uh, to that conversation. That is going to be fun. That's going to be fun right there. Um, let's see here. We've got an audio clip, by the way, on uh, on Notre Dame. They ran a, uh, a trick play, and this was, you know, Diesel, they were down nine. Notre Dame was down nine in the game. There were nine and a half minutes to go. Okay, now paint the picture of this scenario, okay? They're down nine. Nine and a half minutes to go. They've got a fourth and 11 on their own 35-yard line, and they went for it. What? Down nine, nine and a half to go, own 35-yard line, fourth and 11. You're going for that. And they didn't get it. You know, like what? Like that's, Inadvisable. That's, that's, the word that's for that. like it's desperation. Or flat out stupid. What are we doing? Then, in the Louisville game, Notre Dame did this. Third and one. Oh, the ball's out. with the recovery. Some might say going for it on 4th and 11 is... Crazy! <laughs> it was. It most certainly was. Uh, third hard game in three weeks. You know, you give Notre Dame a bye week. You play Louisville at Notre Dame. Notre Dame wins that one by double digits, my opinion. So much in, in uh, college football is situational. And then we've got to get to this. Oh, my God. The Miami Hurricanes. You know, you thought the night was winding down, didn't you? I was, I was up watching college football until 2.30 a.m. because USC almost lost. You know, like Arizona, I think Jed Fish is the Arizona head coach. Diesel, Arizona is in overtime against USC. Arizona. They're a 21.5-point underdog. I think we had one or two people pick Arizona to upset USC, and I'm watching that, and I'm like, man, whoever called this is going to win the whole upset competition. Did you see the USC players trying to tackle the Arizona punt returner onto the ball to make him touch it? Yeah. What the hell? Yeah, what, what was that? In any way, that? shape, or form, I, I, I think you can only call one penalty on that. Why couldn't you call penalty on all four of them? Unnecessary what? roughness. What? Make up a penalty. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah it was poor sportsmanship. You can't do that. <laughs> but, but... The game's in overtime, yeah. right? USC scores in overtime. Arizona wins the toss in overtime. Of course, they defer. They, they get the ball second. USC scores a touchdown, and it's like, well, what do you do if you're USC? Well, they kick the extra point. Makes sense. Arizona gets the ball, and you're like, oh, bro, you're in a perfect situation here. You score the touchdown, you win the game. You go for two. They score the touchdown, they kick the extra point, Diesel. When you play not to lose, you play not to win. You know, the more that game went, the more likely USC was going to win that game. You don't have a better team than USC. Why wouldn't you go for the two-point conversion and the win? Madcraft earlier said that uh, he he heard rumor that Miami was looking at a coaching change and that they were going to make a play for Neil Brown, but he spelled it K-N-E-E-L. Oh, Neil Brown. Neil Brown. Well played. I see what you did there. Well played, Madcraft. I see what you did there, sir. I see what you did there. We've got audio um, of that situation, too, that kerfuffle. Yeah, literally, literally, Mario Cristobal, Miami fans were getting on their hands and knees, begging you to do the, <laughs> do the very obvious thing. The play-by-play play guy was like, what are they doing? And the crazy thing doing? is, so in, in case you guys are wondering, it's the end of the game. Miami's got the ball. There's under 30 seconds to go. And all they have to do is kneel the ball. You take a knee victory formation and win they didn't do that they fumbled the only thing i can think of is they were trying to get running back his yards 
They're trying to get him to a 100-yard game. I don't know. Get a guy's carry so he doesn't transfer or something. But, uh, but anyway, even when they fumbled, big deal. Big deal because, what, there's 36 seconds left or something, and Georgia Tech has 76 yards to go for the touchdown. 76 yards. Big deal. Then they, get, they, they go right down the field in, uh, in three plays, and they score with one second left on, left on the clock. And the craziest <laughs> thing is, is like, you know, we were actually thinking Miami was good until this point. Yeah. They piddled around with Georgia Tech the whole game. And, and the crazier thing is, crazy. the crazier thing is, Diesel, Mario Cristobal has a track record of this. He did this at Oregon mm. late in the game. They didn't run, run the clock out. This is just what he does. Here's what it sounded like live. Here's Cheney, just straight ahead, tackled, and the ball popped out. You've got to read the clock. I mean, read the card. I mean, to me, Georgia Tech has it with 26 seconds left. 26 seconds left. Kyle Kennard comes up with the fumble. You should not be running the football. I mean, it, it is. It, you should be taking a knee. As long as you milk it all the way down, you don't need to be doing this, and you certainly don't need to be fighting for extra yards. Uh, that sounds like it was Miami's broadcast, Rude Diesel. Was it? That sounded like it was Miami. No, that was the national broadcast. It was the national. Wow. Um, guys, you know, you tell me, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's a fireable offense. You know, it would take something really bad for you to fire somebody like the first time they do something. You know, like, I don't know. If you guys commit like... What would, what would be the equivalent of, like, misdemeanors at your job? You show up late one day to work. You don't have a, an assignment in on, in on time. You, those things can build up, and, like, misdemeanors can result in you losing your job. To have a one-time offense that makes you guilty of losing your job, it's got to be something bad. Diesel, like, this was a brain-dead decision, and it's a brain-dead decision that, like, this dude, out of arrogance, yeah. does this all the time. So there was a, a guy that I that I used to know in radio. He worked here in this building. And his previous station, Mark, uh, they, in their cluster, had a Christian music station. And one of the guys who was working as a part-time board op, maybe like a Sunday morning board op, was in the studio. And he was not of the same religious and moral standing of the Christian station that he was doing a show for. He was watching porn on a Sunday morning Mm. in the studio. Mm. Not only that, he wanted to watch it with the sound coming out of the big speakers over his head. And he was watching it with the channel and program. And that means that he was watching porn on a station computer, connected to the board, with the fader on and up and in program, and it was going out over the air. <laughs> Give it to me, baby. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's brutal. I mean, Diesel, that's a fireable offense. That's a that's a one-time fireable offense. Like, you only need to see that one time. Friggin' moron. Diesel, you tell me. I mean, am I not having a heart here? Cristobal has a good rep. Yeah. He recruits well. He coaches well. Fireable offense? Yes or no? Oh, man. Uh, 
I'm going to say I'm going to say no only because only because he's made positive strides at Miami. This is boneheaded. This is ridiculous. This is buffoonery. This is complete and total buffoonery. But like we've seen Miami struggle through coach after coach after coach after coach for you know, nigh on 15 to 20 years at this point. And like, d- does he need to go to rehab or something? Yeah. Are we sure that Mario Cristobal, you know, isn't hitting the sauce that Bob Caslin was hitting? You know, are we sure that he's okay mentally? Are we sure he's okay at home? Can we get him some help? Is it a fireable offense? Yes. Would I fire him for this offense? No. But I would understand those who do, okay? It is a fireable offense. You can't do that. What Your biggest takeaways from the weekend, college and NFL, we'll read them next, right here, on the most interactive sports talk show anywhere. It's Offsides. Mark Ryan and Diesel, and we are the fan upstate. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. It's Offsides, Mark Ryan and Diesel. We are the fan upstates. Your biggest takeaway of the weekend, what is it? Our buddy Bill Weston, salesman extraordinaire from Boston originally. He says, my big takeaway, Mark Ryan, it officially sucks being a Patriots fan. It's the worst team I've ever seen. They are now known as the pathetic Patriots. Home game, Diesel. Against an otherwise kind of middle of the road Saints team, score was thirty-four to nothing mm. at home. Who would you take in a Patriots Panthers matchup? Diesel, don't say that about the Patriots. That's not <laughs> bad. That's 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 too mean. Diesel. Uh, here's my question to you, Diesel: um, If Mac Jones is the 49ers quarterback, does he look like Brock Purdy or not no. in that system with Kyle Shanahan and those weapons around him? No, I, I I don't think he looks as bad as he does in New England, but yeah. but he's not looking Brock Purdy. Yet. No, he's not looking that Purdy. 
No. no, definitely not looking at that, Ferdy. Uh, we love you, Bill. Great to hear from you, buddy. Uh, let's see here. Texter says, my, my uh, takeaway from the weekend, Russell Wilson is a washout and Denver's uniforms were ugly. Yeah, they went all orange. Orange is something, Clemson fans, spare me. I'm allowed to say this because my team's color is blue. You could say I have, like, Gator colors on right now, but there's no orange because orange sucks. Orange is a bad color, okay? It does not look good with my complexion. Just does not look good. I look jaundiced when I wear orange. Um, don't, don't, don't like it. Don't do it. Uh, let's see here. Texter says, uh, South Carolina fans talk about how hard their schedule is because they actually have a really hard schedule annually. They actually have a very, very hard schedule every single year, and it's brutal, and we can't do it. Uh, Texter says, Mark, I'm praying for the Braves to get a win tonight, a must-win for the Braves. Michael in Greenville is up next. Hey, Michael, thanks for the call, pal. You're off sides. Hey, guys. Wanted to call about the uh, one-time fireable offense. Yes, sir. What do you think? Uh, is it? <laughs> well, in college – I played uh, played baseball in college. I won't name the college. I don't want to degrade their name, but we had a professor who uh, uh, his wife was pregnant. Let's just say, and we had an over-the-air broadcast station that the only for the county that the only TV was controlled by the one TV in the library. And he decided to go down and have a little happy time in the library with an adult video, and just happened to put it in the VCR that controlled the whole county over-the-air broadcast. Whoa. So the whole dorm when we walked in. Is going turn it on channel ten, <laughs> turn it on channel ten. So we run in, and let's just say there was a, a lady who was very excited about wrestling with her partner. <laughs> oh no! And, and it, uh, it was exam week, and I happened to have his exam the two days later, and he was not there. Oh no! Oh, the one TV. Well, listen here. Listen. So his mistake was he he put a tape in. Is that the yeah, mistake? He, uh, he he put the tape in to watch and have a little happy time with himself. With just and himself. It to be, so there was yeah. no woman with him. No, no, no. It was he was watching a video to have personal oh, time no. in the one VCR TV that controlled oh. the whole public access channel for the county. Oh God. That's awful. That's awful. You couldn't wait till you got home, sir. Look at Diesel's. Uh, Who does that in public Di- places? Diesel's evil, evil innards are laughing at that poor guy. Michael, what? But Michael, what do you think about Cristobal? Fireable offense for that one time? Would you fire him for that? I, I definitely would. I mean, that is just unexcusable there. So if that was a, I'm a Gamecock fan. If that was, if that was, even though I love Shane Beamer, if he did that, it's like, man, with everything else going on, you got to go, dude. There you go. Hey, Michael, great to hear from you, pal. We talk Gamecock Gators with Chris Phillips, and we do so next right here on Offsides. We are the Fan Up State. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices, anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It's offsides. Mark Ryan and Diesel. We are the fan upstate. 
Joined right now by Chris Phillips at the Spurs Up Show. Host the Daily Crow Monday through Friday. Chris, welcome back, man. How did you spend your bye week? Mark and Diesel, what's going on, man? Appreciate you guys having me. And spent the bye week, Mark, in the Blue Ridge Mountains in Eastern America's highest town, a.k.a. Beach Mountain, North Carolina, one of my favorite places on earth. Uh, ventured down to Blowing Rock, North Carolina. Even swung by Boone, North Carolina, and checked out App State, The Rock, uh, and had dinner in Boone. So it was a good time. We had a full weekend, man. We're there Wednesday through Sunday. And Obviously back at it in the saddle, but it was a great bye week and also kept up with some ball on Saturday. But I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the bye week as well or, or whatever you guys did this weekend. So looking forward to it, man. It's Florida week, Gamecocks and Gators. going to be a lot of fun. Now, Chris, I just want to know, did you pick one of the, the, the fancy restaurants in Boone or did you go to the fanciest restaurant, the double-decker, two-story Wendy's right there on so 421 we- <laughs> and 321? So, you know, we actually caved and called a late audible and went to Mellow Mushroom, so a very simple dinner. But uh, come to find out, when I got home, I had a DM from uh, the owners of the Daniel Boone Inn, I believe it's called. Um, They are actually Gamecock alums, so they told us to swing by next time for dinner on the house. So we'll definitely be doing that again. I I love to go up there and go skiing and everything, and and, I've been going up there since I was a kid. So I've always had a soft spot for for App State, traveling over to Boone, and so we'll, we'll definitely swing by and have dinner and hang out. You know, for, uh, for with this, we are essentially, Chris, approaching the halfway point uh, of the season. I realize the Gamecocks have played uh, five games. What report card, what would the letter grade be uh, for the Gamecocks thus far this season? And because I know you, Chris, I think your grade is going to be a C or a D. I just don't know which one of those two it is. Yeah, Mark, and ironically enough, we'll actually do this next week. I always do a mid-season report card, grade everything from offense, defense, special teams, coaching, and do the overall as well. But you know me pretty well, Mark, because right now I'd probably go around a C-minus, which is right basically in between exactly what you just said. Um, I mean, I think you look at the season, and two and three is exactly where I predicted them to be. Um, Obviously, you flip the North Carolina and the Mississippi State games in my predictions. But I thought two and three was likely for South Carolina, three and two. Obviously possible heading into this game against Florida, which I called over the summer the most important game of South Carolina season, and I think it's certainly shaping up to be that. But, you know, it's it's when you look beyond the record, I mean, you look two and three, Carolina has lost to three ranked opponents, but it's how those losses have happened, right? You've had some good, uh, which is the 10-point loss on the road to Georgia, where I think we all agreed you showed progress. We've had the bad in the loss to Tennessee, where, uh, the, the, you know, you couldn't stop the run, you couldn't really stop anything defensively, and you know, giving up six sacks and and Spencer Rattler not able to shoulder the load like he's done all season. Then you've had the ugly, which was the season opener against North Carolina, which, Mark, I don't know why this isn't really being talked about, you know, more than it is, but I think the UNC loss is much more inexcusable than that Tennessee loss we saw a week and a half ago. But either way, you know, it's more so how those losses have happened versus the fact they have happened. So I'd go C- minus. Um, but obviously, again, a, a huge game upcoming against Florida. So when we look back on the first half, I think that one's going to sway a lot of the grading, if you will, and how we look at the first half of the season. Chris, outside of the quarterback room, uh, what position group at South Carolina would you say has improved the most this year, and what position group uh, has sadly not? The position group outside of quarterback that has improved the most, I mean, I I don't want to say wide receiver. I mean, I think Xavier Leggett's the most improved player individually, um, and I don't think that's much of a debate when you look. I don't think anybody saw him. He's the most optimistic, thought he'd be one of the best wide receivers in college football. 
Um, I mean, it's, it's much – let me put it this way, Diesel. It's much easier to name position groups that have regressed than that have proved, improved. I mean, I, I think when you look at the South Carolina secondary and just the numbers through five games, it's very easy to point at them and say they've taken a major step back and they've really felt the, the departures of guys like Cam Smith and Darius Rush. And I don't know that Nick Emanwari and DQ Smith in the back end have really lived up to – you know, what most Gamecock fans thought they could be. You know, obviously injuries have hampered Nicky Minori, but uh, J- Jalon Kilgore, the freshman, is in a bright spot. But I think the secondary as a whole has taken a step back uh, and has been more of an eyesore than most expected. And I'll just say, I'll say wide receiver, you know, outside of uh, outside of quarterback. I'll say wide receiver simply because of Xavier Leggett. When you got a guy like that leading the way, and you know, if I'd have told you through five games that South Carolina wouldn't have Juice Wells, and more than likely I think, you know, Shane Beamer will update us tomorrow, but I'd be – Really surprised he plays against Florida, and I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play at all the rest of this season due to that foot injury. But uh, if I'd have told you they didn't have him, you'd have thought they'd have taken a major step back. But Xavier Leggett, obviously, is in that bright, shining star at that spot. So um, I'd go wide receiver most improved, and I think the defensive backfield is really the one. that It's been surprising to me how much they've regressed since a season ago. Chris Phillips, the Spurs Up show, joining us here on Offsides. Mark Ryan and Diesel, the fan upstate. Chris, what is the Gamecock fan base mood tracker saying right now? What is the mood of the Gamecock fan base? Is it, oh, no, we suck again? Uh, what it, where, where are they at right now? Yeah, I think it's a little bit on edge, Mark, honestly. I think it's on edge, and I think, you know, the, the bye week came at a good time. You know, after that Tennessee game, I think folks, you know, needed a little bit of a break to cool down and collect themselves and, and gear up for a big next seven games of the season, but – you know, I think it's a little bit confused. I think it's, uh, you know, disgruntled a little bit, you know, when you talk about the way that the losses have happened, uh, especially in that Tennessee game. You know, it's unfortunate when you have the bye week, it's great to have two weeks prepare for your opponent. But if you have a bad last game, you kind of have to have to stew over that, right, for two whole weeks. So um, I, I think there's a mix of emotions, but I, I think it's on edge, Mark, going into a game that I think most understand. You know, I called it, again, the most important game of South Carolina's 2023 season. I didn't mean that because I think South Carolina, Florida is going to decide the SEC East, obviously. But I think it's a game that, and I think it's fair to say right now, Mark, if you win this game, seven wins, maybe eight if some crazy things happen, it's still on the table. But, I mean, if you lose, I think you're staring five and seven right in the face. Like, I think this game is the difference between South Carolina going five and seven or seven and five and year three of Shane Beamer. And you and I talked about preseason expectations and the goals and – you know, eight wins was obviously success. So seven and five would not be a success for our metrics, but it'd be a whole heck of a lot better than five and seven, which would be an utter failure in year three of his tenure. So um, I think that's how most Gamecocks fans feel is, is just on edge and, and anxious to see what they're going to get out of the bye week. Because Carolina historically has been really good after a long break, but you know, in the Shane Beamer era, I mean, you just never really know what you're going to get. So we're, we're going to learn a lot on Saturday for sure. And I know Gamecocks fans will be anxiously awaiting 3:30 kickoff on Saturday. So, Chris, um, my feeling is, and the reason, the, the crazy thing about this game, Chris, is this is as must win for Florida as it is for South Carolina. And Gator fans are tired of the Jekyll and Hyde approach, not knowing which Gator team is going to show up, the one that's at home and the one that's on a road. It's, it's just been two totally different teams, Chris. At home, Florida's a top 25 team. On the road, they're probably not in the top 100. Okay, like it's it's unbelievable. You know, like I think Eastern Kentucky or Western Kentucky, one of the directional Kentuckys had more rushing yards against Kentucky than Florida did. Gave up fewer rushing yards than Florida did. So, Chris, as you look forward in this SEC Eastern Division landscape, 
is it not out of the question? Is it out of the question to say that the loser of this game is probably in second to last place in this division when all is said and done? When you factor in who Kentucky is, what Kentucky is, who Tennessee is, who Missouri is this year. I mean, I feel like the loser of this game is in sixth place in that division. Mark, I think that's fair. And, I, you know, despite the results we saw on Saturday, I still think Kentucky's a quality football team. I still think it's probably Kentucky, Missouri, and Tennessee that are fighting for that second-best spot in the SEC East with obviously Georgia head and shoulders of everybody else. Um, but, yeah, I think South Carolina and Florida are, are fighting for the number five spot in the SEC East. And, you know, I think this is a huge game, Mark, too, for just the purposes of SEC East hierarchy. You know, that's something I talk about a lot. It's a real thing, I think, in regards to that. I know we're going away from divisions next year, but when you think from a di- divisional mindset, right, you – you know, South Carolina, that's why the Tennessee loss was so big because there's no debate, there's no denying if there ever was that Tennessee has, you know, resurpassed South Carolina as a football program in the SEC. Like, they are above them right now. And, you know, Florida got the big win last year. Of course, Shane Beamer gets the big win in year one, knocks Dan Mullen out. And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, Mark. You know, I think the demise of Florida was a little bit premature. You know, over the summer, I think the Gators were kind of the fun team to pick on and, and talk about how bad Billy Napier is in that Florida program. And, of course, the signing of Graham Mertz. And, and everybody had their fun ranking him 14th best in the, the SEC quarterback rankings. But this is a huge game from that regard, too. You know, I, I think this is one one of the reasons, Mark, I labeled it the most important is if you can't take advantage of a, a quote-unquote down Florida, you know, under a year-two head coach, Billy Napier, when the fan base is in kind of disarray, there's some people that think he's not the answer in Gainesville. And Florida, I mean, was a team over under five-and-a-half win total, right? Weren't expected to do a lot. If you can't take advantage of them now, I mean, Mark, I think Florida's only going to get better. I think if the Gators fan base can have some patience with Billy Napier, I mean, the way they're recruiting, Florida's not going to be down forever. And if you're South Carolina, you have to take advantage of the product that Florida's putting out there on the field right now. So it's a massive game on both sides. I mean, obviously for Billy Napier and the Gators, if they're going to have that breakout year two campaign, get to seven or eight wins, which sounds crazy to say that'd be a breakout year for Florida, but in this current landscape, I think we'd all agree that it would be. So if Florida can win this game, obviously they've got some much tougher opponents coming up with the likes of Georgia and some others later in the season. This is a huge swing game that I think similar to Tennessee could spark things in a positive direction for Florida. And, you know, for South Carolina, if you don't want to call it a must win, you can call it a can't lose. Because if you lose this one, you know, you've got Mizzou and A&M waiting on the road. And I really think this is one that could really send your season into somewhat of a tailspin and the wheels fall off on year three of the Shane Beamer era. Chris, I'm going to ask you a real contentious question here. I hope you're ready for it. Um, better bar scene, Greenville or Columbia? That's a good question. I, I would go Greenville, but it really depends on your demographic. I mean, if you're looking for the college landscape, I think you'd obviously say Columbia for obvious reasons. But the more young professional or adult crowd, mature crowd, I think you'd go Greenville. And, I mean, I, I don't think this is a hot take, and I don't mean to throw any shade on Columbia because I lived there for three years and loved every second of it. But, I mean, I would say Greenville is a superior city to Columbia. And I mean, that's, I just don't even think it's close. I mean, I, and I all due respect to Columbia, I got nothing to love for, but if I have to make a pick, I'm going to go Columbia or Greenville, excuse me, overall. And I'll say bar scene again for the right demographic. I, I would say Greenville has more offerings, restaurants, bars, et cetera. So Chris, what's the, uh, what's the recruiting scene looking like for the Gamecocks of late? Um, you know, is, is the vibe there about as apprehensive as the fans are about the season? I mean, it's been pretty quiet. Uh, I'm not going to pull the Dan Mullen and say that, you know, that recruiting talk is for recruiting season or anything like that because that would be inaccurate. You're always recruiting. I mean, I think South Carolina is optimistic they can flip a couple of guys, and I think if they're going to have the type of class they want to have 
they're probably going to have to flip some flip some prospects out there. But I mean, I, I think the optimism still mark really high when it comes to the recruiting aspect. I mean, you still I think your your last commitment you landed was Dylan Stewart a couple of months ago. Um, you know, I think the big one you're waiting on is the four-star running back prospect Daniel Hill. Although it, I think it's unlikely that you land him, so. It's kind of a wait-and-see game right now, Mark. I mean, I, I think the optimism is still really high there, and I think the optimism is, is still high in the program as well, Mark. I mean, you and I talked, you know, obviously after the Tennessee game, and I still say I'm, I'm a bit surprised, you know, how much emphasis, like, we're even putting on this Florida game or how much emphasis we're putting on that loss to Tennessee when people are starting to question Shane Beamer's, you know, future at South Carolina. And I know you guys talked about the – the honeymoon phase is over, which which is fair. I mean, coaches aren't getting five, six, seven years to build a program anymore, and it's win now. And, you know, if you're not popping off in year three, the, the questions are going to follow, and it's really easy to compare Beamer and company to the last staff and some of the last coaches that came at Carolina. So, um, you know, you, you can make the argument, is Shane Beamer doing really anything differently than any of the coaching staff has done? And, of course, Gamecock fans, the fanaticals lost in the current present day, and you know, those who are going to praise the coach no matter what the record is, they're going to say yes. They're going to say it feels different and it is different. But at the end of the day, these coaches are judged off wins and losses. So, I mean, I, I think the optimism is there in recruiting. I think the optimism is, is, you know, mostly still there in regards to the Shane Beamer era and what he can accomplish in Columbia. But, I mean, it's, again, Mark, it's a, it's a game like Saturday that you just you just have to have. You know, the, if you want to talk about start comparing the, the must champs to Beamers, like Saturday are the type of games that will right. must champ and his staff found ways to lose. What uh, what is the thing Shane Beamer's doing the best it, now in year three of his tenure, and what's the thing he's doing the worst, Chris? I would I think the thing that he's doing the best is you know building the program culturally and, and the buy-in in the building. And listen, we're not in the building, but I, I think when you look at what happened last year when South Carolina lost to Florida, thirty-eight to six, and that was a moment where again the wheels really could have came off. And he, he's a guy that's just relentlessly positive and believes in and what they're doing and believes in what South Carolina can be, not what it's always been. I think you have to have great culture in your building to go turn around and win games like you did um, against Tennessee and against Clemson. So I, I think in the building culturally, I mean, you could say other things like recruiting, but I think culturally is the number one thing I look at, Mark, that I think he's doing really well. You know, I think the thing that Shane Beamer could improve on, and I think a lot of Gamecock Nation would agree on this, I mean, he's loyal to a fault, you know what I mean? So, uh, if changes need to be made, whether that's offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, running backs coach, whatever coach it might be, or whatever systems are in place, he's loyal to a fault, and that can be a really good thing. That can also be a hindrance. And I think a lot of Gamecock Nation would tell you that, you know, like Marcus Satterfield, why did it take 22 or 23 games to finally pull the plug there and make the decision? And, uh, you know, is he willing to, you know, to be kind of the, you know, live on the edge a little bit and, 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 and color outside of the lines and do some things in recruiting that you, you know, in the transfer portal that you need to do to win big in the SEC and in college football today. So, um, I mean, if I'm being hypercritical and I'm, and I'm analyzing in that regard, I think that's the thing that a lot of Gamecock Nation and myself included would say that Shane Beamer could, could work on. But again, he's a young coach in year three and still kind of learning as he goes. And you just hope those things improve during his tenure. And finally, uh, Chris, as we let you go, Johnny Carrots wants to know when your arm wrestling match is going to be. What should I tell him? <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll set it up on pay-per-view. Maybe get rough and rowdy, Barstool Sports, to, to televise <laughs> it. We, we can make a, a, a full ordeal of it. Let's do it. Let's do it, my man. <laughs> hey, uh, welcome back, Chris. I look forward to joining you, now, joining you on Thursday. And this is, uh, this is Gator Gamecock Hate Week, man. So uh, away we go. 
going to be a lot of fun. We've already chatted with Chris Doring today, who relived the 95 touchdown he had in a blowout win. So we're already off to a hot start, Mark. Diesel, I appreciate you guys having me. All right, take care. Chris Phillips of the Spurs Up Show. We have got the top five at five coming your way next, right here on the most interactive sports talk show anywhere. It's Offsides. Mark Ryan and Diesel, and we are the fan upstate. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.